Would you bow your heads in prayer? Lord, have your way in us. Speak to us this day and shape us by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of you have been asking about Linda. She is doing great. You know, she had her reversal surgery on Tuesday and uh, she was actually home from the hospital on Thursday night. So she is doing very good, recovering at home, but I just wanted to let you know that. It was late, at, or it was in the middle of the afternoon on, in China, central China, May 12, 2008. And suddenly all hell broke loose. An earthquake hit with a magnitude of 8.0 on the Richter scale. Concrete panels crumpled steel and crushed tile buried tens of thousands of people. People reported that they could hear their loved ones screaming, screaming for help and had this terrible, helpless feeling because they could not get to them. They couldn't help them. It had to be a terrible, terrible feeling. I think in a different sense, but maybe the same, St. Paul knows that feeling as well when it came to the Christians in Thessalonica. Today it was, it was a congregation that Paul planted, and, and I'm not really sure what it was, but it, 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 it had a special place in Paul's heart. In fact, Paul describes his relationship with that church like a mother, a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Or like a father with his children. He even writes, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, <clears throat> but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. Then the earthquake hit. Not a literal earthquake, but one just as bad. Paul and his companions were run out of town. He had to desert this new church with these new Christians. Luke tells us in Acts that some of the Jews were jealous of Paul. They formed a mob, he says, and they set the city in an uproar. They cried out, these men who have turned the world upside down have also come here. <clears throat> Paul had to run for his life under the cover of night. Now, even though... Paul escaped. Things did not get better for the Thessalonians. No, the persecution grew worse. There were aftershocks. They continued to suffer persecution. Paul writes, you suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. The Thessalonian Christians were buried in an avalanche of accusations. Threats of rejection. And Paul wanted to help, but there was nothing he could do. Nothing except one thing. He prayed. He prayed for that church. Ever felt like that? Like you're watching someone you love, a son or a daughter, a neighbor, a good friend, a mom or dad going through a terrible time of pain or loss. When their world caves in, when the earthquake called unemployment or death 
or cancer or infertility or divorce or whatever it is strikes their world and there's nothing that you can do that will undo that. What do you do? Well, you can do what Paul did. You can pray. Now, I know a lot of people think, well, that's just admission that there's nothing you can do, so I'll just say I'm going to pray. A lot of people have some strange ideas about prayer. A lot of people think of prayer like a, a heavenly slot machine. Put in a coin, pull the lever, and hope you get something. Others see prayer like a visit to the dentist's office. They know they should do it, but nobody really wants to. Or like a, a rabbit's foot, rub it for good luck and maybe you'll get some. That's not how Paul looks at it. Because he understands the one to whom he prays is the one who can change everything. Now in preparing this sermon, I want to talk to you today about what did Paul pray for? Because I think there's some things for us to learn. From Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians about how we can pray for others. And this one thing that I didn't notice until this morning Paul never prays for the persecution to stop. He does not pray that their trials will go away. He doesn't. And there's a reason for that. And some of it is that God does some of his greatest work in trials. So Paul prays for how God would work in his people through this difficult time. And let's look, I'm going to look at three things that he prays for. He first of all prays for people to grow in faith. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. See how important prayer is? He, he prays night and day. He, he prayed for, he tells us, pray without ceasing. But the content of his prayer, he prays that God would supply what is lacking in your faith. Folks, that word supply is an interesting word in the Greek. It's also used to describe the fishermen mending their nets. That word mending, same word. There were holes in the nets and they needed to mend them so that they could, so they could catch fish. And so there were holes in the nets of these new Christians. They, they had come to faith, but they hadn't matured yet. They hadn't gotten to a, 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 an advanced place in the faith. There were still things they needed to learn still places they needed to grow in their life. They were still saint and sinner. And so he prays that God would supply what is lacking in their faith. And you know, that's not just true of them. If any of you here think that you don't have any place to grow in your faith, you're kidding yourself. You're lying to yourself. We all have nets that need to be mended. We all have places where we can grow. Things we can learn. Things that, that we can Come firmer in, in our knowledge of God. And the truth is, some of the most important times of learning those things, of growing in faith, are the difficult moments in life when God does His most important work. I would tell you that 
The death of my father was one of those moments. Also the death of my sister and my mother. As hard as they were. Very important to, to my faith. Also, God using a time in my life where He confronted me with things that I needed to learn and face about myself. Tough things I didn't want to face. But He used it to grow my faith. So if you want to pray for people in a tough time, whether it's you or someone else, pray that God would use that time to grow their faith. Pray also for people to abound in love. May the Lord, Paul writes, make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. I want you to think about this. What do you call it when you put on weight but not muscle? Fat. <laughs> Folks, if you don't exercise, the fat gets bigger. If you don't increase in love, if you don't put your faith into practice, that's called spiritual fat. Okay. And if we increase in knowledge without increasing in love, what we've got then is a fat head. This way Paul prays that their love may increase and overflow. Because see, what happens when bad things happen in our lives and in others' lives, we become very inward focused. It was all about me. Why did this happen to me? Woe is me. And it doesn't help. It does not help. Inward focus, what my sister would call, Wayne, you going to have a pity party? It just deepens the despair and depression. It doesn't help. So God... Paul prays that they would be drawn out of their inward focus and focus on the needs of people around them. That your love for one another and everyone would increase and overflow. You know, one of the things that anybody that's involved in recovery, like from AA or anybody would tell you that work the 12 steps, that the 12th step is the most important. Because in the 12th step, you give away what you've learned. You help others in their recovery. You serve. The only way you can keep what you've got is by giving it away. God calls us to make a big difference in this world by loving in the face of difficult times. I want you to think about Jesus. When they, when they came to arrest Him and Peter cut off the ear of the high priest, what did Jesus do? He healed the man who came to arrest him. When they nailed him to a cross to die, what did he do? Prayed for those who nailed him there. Father, forgive them. That's what you should pray for one another and for yourself that in difficult times your love would grow and that in your ability to love as Jesus loved, to love those who maybe are unlovable in your life, to love those maybe who have hurt you, not maybe, but yes, those who have hurt you. God will make the most powerful witness in your life of what His love can do in a person's heart. So pray that their love increase. 
And finally, pray for people to become secure in hope. May He strengthen you in your hearts, Paul prays, so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God. And Father, when the Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones, the Thessalonians were down and out. They were in despair. They felt the world coming down on them. What would help them? What would people in such a situation need? They needed hope. They needed to see the big picture. They needed to see that God had a goal in mind. Here it is. One day, Jesus is going to come again. And God's desire is that on that day, you would stand before Him with confidence, holy and blameless, ready to meet Him. And you can do that, not because you can become perfect or anything like that. You can do that. You can stand before God perfect and holy because Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross for you. That in His hands, you'll be ready for that day. Ready for whatever comes. Because you know what's coming. See, I'm going to take you back to that town in China. About five days after the earthquake, some rescue workers uncovered a woman bent over on her knees, arched back, hands firmly planted in the mud in front of her. She was dead. She was holding up a ceiling on her back. After they went by, it suddenly dawned on one of the workers what had happened, and he went back. And he reached under her arched body, and sure enough, there was a three-month-old baby, alive, unhurt, asleep. He pulled her out. And in the cloth around the baby's body, there was a cell phone, and on the cell phone there was a message, baby girl, remember that I love you. That's what Jesus did for you and me, you know. He took the full brunt of your sin and mine on the cross. He experienced the ultimate earthquake from hell, all the weight of our shame and guilt, on Him, on His back. And because He died on that cross and because He rose again, His protective shield means that we're free, means we will live forever, means we will stand before God one day holy and blameless when Jesus comes again in all His glory. And in the meantime, He leaves us a message that He speaks to us again and again every Sunday. My dear child, remember that I love you. We pray for others to become, and ourselves, to become secure in that hope. The hope that Christ is coming again to restore everything that we have lost in this world. That all the years of pain will be erased. That every tear of disappointment will be wiped away. The symphonies we have missed and the sunsets we didn't see will be beautifully replayed again and again. A spouse or child snatched away by death will run into your arms. The health that eluded you in the winter of your life will return a thousandfold. The friends and family members who died in the faith will sit next to you in that heavenly choir singing God's praises forever. That's the hope that is yours. The one that Luke tells us, stand up, lift up your heads for your redemption is drawing near. That's what's drawing near.
Are you ready for that day? Are those that you love and know and are they ready? Be in prayer for that. Especially for those who have been crushed by life, who have been hurt, hanging on by a thread. Pray. Because the God you pray to is a God who can give them all they need. Get them to that day. I don't know if you noticed this. The three things that Paul asks us to pray for. Pastor, after I preached the first sermon, said the other, called the three theological virtues. If you've thought about them, if you think about them, you've heard them before. They are the last verse of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Faith, hope, love, abide. But the greatest of these is love. There's a pattern for your prayer for other people. To pray that their faith would grow, to pray that their love would increase and bound, to pray that they and you would be secure in the hope we have in Christ. Yeah, that's something you can do, powerful you can do. You can pray like Paul. You can pray for your family and friends. You can pray for you. Amen? Now may the peace of God which pass understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus into life that is everlasting. Amen.